0: In today's podcast, Charlie West tells us what happened with the flaming dessert, reflects on this Sunday's readings, and shares his favorite Christmas poem, The Oxen by Thomas Hardy. Words twice a week, twelve twenty-four. Words twice a week on Thursday as a series of preliminary thoughts on some of the lectionary texts for the next Sunday. They're presented in a bulleted list, and I use this sound. To represent each bullet point and the start of a new thought this probably works best if you have looked over the lessons or at least have them at hand to scan as we go along the lessons for this sunday are psalm 148 isaiah 61 verse 10 through 62 verse 3 or we're extending it to verse 4 you'll see why luke 2 22 to 40. okay And we wimped out on the flaming dessert idea and went for the almond extract on a sugar cube. Fail. Epic fail. Not only did it not really flame, but the almond extract soaked into the cake and did not really improve the flavor. I did discover that if you put the sugar cube in a little tinfoil dish, it's somewhat more dramatic. And then on the Sunday after Christmas, we sometimes did a blessing of the toys and played with them for a few moments in the service. If you were going to church this Sunday, and if you could bring one present to play with that you got this year, what would you bring? Now, some thoughts on some of this Sunday's lessons. Psalm 148. Joy to the world. All creation is called to praise the Lord, who after all made it all. I assume this means that all creation is called to live so that all the rest of creation can continue to praise the Lord. Are we holding up our end of that bargain, or are we pushing some of the rest of creation toward extinction, and by extension, are we moving ourselves off the stage? The word of this psalm is clearly that that is not God's dream. First, the heights And those in them are called to praise, and then the earth and sea, and those in them are called to praise, and then humans. Or should we understand humans as a part of the earth and sea section? The CEV translates verse 6 as, He made them to last forever, and nothing can change what he has done. How do we understand that? Again, the CEV translates verse 14 Like a bull with mighty horns, the Lord protects his faithful nation, Israel. Putting aside the question of what does God do if Israel is unfaithful, is this a good translation of he has raised up a horn for his people in the new RSV? And what images come to your mind when you think of these parts of creation, praising God? The sun, the moon, and the stars? We miss the conjunction. Sea monsters in the deep sea, fire, snow, frost, wind, mountains, trees, animals, we've seen cardinals at our feeder, humans, old, young, in between, we've been watching the nutcracker. Isaiah 61, 10 to 62, 3. Well, first off, we are going to extend it at least to verse 4 because that mentions Beulah, in the King James Version, and that's the happily married in the NRSV. My mom's name was Beulah, and yes, she was happily married first to Wilbur, my dad, and then after he dad died, to Donald, another wonderful man. We looked at 61, 10 to 11 a couple weeks ago. It's nice to have these lessons that we get in a prophetic kind of way during Advent and then in a more proclamation or fulfillment kind of way after Christmas. Probably 10 to 11 is the prophet speaking, and he or she is all geeked up with new clothes and bling and can't wait to let us know. Of course, if we're wearing God's power and justice, how do we look? As we said before, the emperor's new clothes comes to mind. And then scholars seem to think God starts speaking in chapter 62 after being silent for a long time. And God says that he, she, God, will keep speaking as long as it takes. And we get a new name, just as Mary did last week. Ours is Crown, Diadem, Beulah. Bring forth the royal diadem. You can hear the basses chugging along with Crown Him, Crown Him, Crown Him, Crown Him. You will please the Lord and your country will be his bride. Well, that takes a certain amount of unpacking. Is any country that pleases the Lord his bride, is this just for Israel? How is Israel doing at this? How are we doing at this? Your people will take the land. How does that strike you? Luke 2, 22 to 40, when the time came for their purification, Luke is careful to point out that Mary and Joseph were devout and followed all the guidance of the law with regard to having a child. They had him circumcised, they waited until Mary was once again ritually clean, and then they brought him to the temple. And, of course, they offered the sacrifice permitted for a family in poverty. What sacrifices did your parents make for you, if any? And what is the guidance offered by our faith for new parents? If Mary and Joseph are portrayed as following the law, Simeon and Anna come into the story representing the Spirit. How do law and Spirit come together in your life? Simeon takes the baby, kind of like a pastor or priest may have taken you when you were baptized, and says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, or some newer translation, noting three things. One, this is God's doing. Two, it is for all, Jews and Gentiles alike. And three, this is glory for Israel, not because they are privileged, but as they are God's faithful servant. This much was probably an early hymn that Luke incorporated. And then Simeon goes on in a more somber note. One, the child will cause some to stand, rise, and others to fall. Two, Mary will suffer. And three, all this will reveal people as they are, kind of like a benchmark for your mutual fund. We don't have any of Anna's words, but with the same authentication as Simeon, she tells people about Jesus. What inspired words would you have for the parents of a new baby? And Jesus grew, became strong and wise, and God blessed him. There's one more story of Jesus' childhood, Luke two forty-one to 52 the boy Jesus in the temple, which ends with essentially the same words, and then that's it. If you had to pick two stories from your childhood, one that your parents did with or for you, one that you did on your own, what would they be? Finally, do you have a favorite Christmas Eve song, poem, story, legend? Here's one of mine. It's Thomas Hardy, the Oxen. CHRISTMAS EVE, TWELVE OF THE CLOCK, NOW THEY ARE ALL ON THEIR KNEES, AN ELDER SAID AS WE SAT IN A FLOCK BY THE EMBERS ON CHRISTMAS EVE, WE PICTURED THE MEEK, MILD CREATURES WHERE THEY DWELT IN THEIR STRAWY PEN, NOR DID IT OCCUR TO ONE OF US THERE TO DOUBT THEY WERE KNEELING THEN. SO FAIR A FANCY FEW WOULD WEAVE IN THESE DAYS, YET I FEEL IF SOMEONE SAID ON CHRISTMAS EVE, Come see the ox and kneel in the lonely Barton by yonder coom our childhood used to know. I should go with him in the gloom, hoping it might be so. That's it for today. Happy Christmas.